Now, welcome to the boldness in year of the living plant. The boldness is about standing up for your human rights instead of waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. My name is Raphael, also in collab, also known as the Barologist. Finmi is currently on holidays until February. I will have Gazem co-hosting with me tonight. Hello everyone, how are you all? Fantastic. Now Gazem, who are we talking to on tonight's show? We're talking to a lovely lady called Kath Duncan. And yes. with Kath Duncan, it's Year of the Living Plant. We're going to be talking about horticulture. Now, I think we might have Kath Duncan on the line right now. Indeed you do. Kath, how are you doing hello, in this marvellous day? This is really good plant weather, if you ask me. Well, it is now, now that it's been raining for the past, you know, hour and a half or so. But for, maybe it's an hour. But prior to that, it's been pretty terrible. And there has never been a better time planting than now. Well, is there to reckon this is time for some bee love? I do. What we do is talk about <laughs> So you grow flowers, do you? Well, I've always loved gardens. Yeah. I mainly as you know, Raphael knows and probably the boldness regular listeners would know. I'm actually better known as a multimedia producer, performer, writer, researcher. But underneath all that, from when I was, you know, five or six years old, I have loved planting things. I love plants. I love plants probably more than I love 99.9% of human beings on the planet. Well, Kathy, 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 that's not actually very difficult to actually love plants more than human beings. I think they can't we're with talk you, at you. They can't talk oh, at you. Talk to me. They're just beautiful. I love their colours, their variety, the fact that they're silent, you know, all that sort of thing. But to come long story short, it was also one of the activities that I used to have with my grandfather, and I found it magical, you know, that Grandpa would turn up to where I grew up in uh, sort of the southwestern suburbs of Sydney and press some strawberry plants into the ground and, you know, oh, six weeks later or so, maybe a bit longer... We were eating strawberries. I still find that really magical. And even right now, I've got a strawberry plant in my garden. So all this time, along with doing all the other stuff that I do, I have made gardens everywhere. I've lived in 30 different places over the last um, 40 years or so. And in that time, I've learned lots and lots of different gardening tips about how to kind of make the most about what you've got. And I guess I'd like to talk about that because I think we need a bit of a crusade, an education uh, crusade in Australia to get people planting more and caring more about plants, about birds, about about wildlife in general and specifically about insects. Well, Kath, what about um, this thing about uh, plants? We're going to share some tips and some of those tips, do they involve any bee love? Yeah. That's what I sort of <laughs> That's where it all kind of started um, more recently. I've always loved planting and making gardens and, 
it was in... I moved into this lovely little place I live in, in Carlton, that's got two tiny strips of garden. And when I moved in, it was absolute crap. Both mm. strips of garden were infested with what I know commonly as asthma weed. I don't know how... I don't know its formal name as a weed, but it's not very nice. And it's this really ugly thing that sort of like sprawls and turns brown and goes furry. And it, mm. I just... Even just thinking about it makes me, like, wince in disgust. So that's what was in my gardens. And at first, when I moved in, I was just a bit overwhelmed by it all. But I got some friends, you know, I paid them in food or something to pull all that out. And then the ground was so depleted and horrible that I started just collecting leaves, collecting whatever mulch I could. I was broke at the time from um, around the parks and gardens around here. I just started pushing that on the garden. I didn't really want to plant anything at first. Um, and in fact, the first things I planted, I sort of got hopeful and put in some snow peas and some cherry tomatoes, and they all died oh. much more quickly than they should have. And I sat back and I looked down and I thought, no, the soil is really bad. It's really depleted. It's been wasted and misused by stupid city people who don't know anything about soil or plants or growing or weeding or eco um, systems. Anyway, this is my thing. Um, and so I started building up the soil. Right. Have you ever heard of a place called Finhorn Gardens in Edinburgh? Yes, yes. Mm. I went Actually, there yes, and I saw all the amazing vegetables. They had like really humongous pumpkins and and their philosophy is talking to the um, vegetables and, and fruit as if they're humans. Yeah, they do this weird thing. They, uh, it's just, they do this, again, it's about building up the soil. They do this quite unusual uh, practice about building up the soil. Mm. Um, I'm a bit sort of more, you know, low-tech and feral and messy and grungy and urban. Um, so I love to take tips from people who've worked in difficult situations, say when weeds have infested, you know, big uh, lots of ground. And, and the, the trick is you pull up the weeds, yeah. you lay down um, cardboard, which helps keep the weeds off, and you just chuck on top of that whatever mulch material you can get. So in the early days, I was just collecting leaves from the park in, like, Woolworths bags. I would just go up because I take my little hound for walks on my little scooter, and oh, I would just collect a thing of leaves. Yeah, a little pook. And so, what sort um, of dog have you got, pookie? A, a little Maltese cross oh, Australian silky terrier. How cute. And um, a lot of my observations come from taking Pookie out once or twice a day, usually twice, but sometimes once. But um, what happened was, so I just started building it up from basics, and then I started making my own compost heaps because I'm one of those really weird green kind of people who has organic fruit and veggies delivered. And so the offcuts from that I would put onto the hay and on top of the cardboard, then i put more hay on top, and I kind of had two separate piles that I kept circulating and moving around with that. So I started to make my own soil. And what happened was um, I got some feral pumpkins growing out of the um, uh, compost heap. And in the first year which that I did all that, which I think was 2016, um, the pumpkins went crazy and I got eight pumpkins, gave them away. <laughs> the second year, which was, it, I think maybe it was 2018. 2018, I got lots of, lots of pumpkin vines, but no fertilised flowers at all. Oh. And I saw that in 12 months, there'd been this huge bee die-off just where I am in Carlton. And so I started to, um, look, um, I like to count things. 
I like to count things. And so when I do this regular scootering thing with Pookie, I count these. I, I go around and I count these in my neighbourhood. And bees. there are not many. That's right, bees. So, Kath, so, that, is this where the start of where the really bee love really, really started? Yes. It started <laughs> with a pumpkin patch that didn't work. And I was really shocked at the contrast between one year and the next. So let's say that with 217 to 218, no fertilised flowers. So by this time, I had my compost systems going quite well. And I started to just, what happens after a while with sort of, you know, permaculture and all this sort of thing is that after a while, the old seed bed comes to life. And so what came to life was this amazing lavender bush. It just came up out of the ground. I weeded around it. I kept it going and the bees started to come. Now, so this is my, this year we're going into. So again, last year, 2019, to be honest, I didn't even bother with letting the pumpkin vines leave. I put, I ripped up any like pumpkin seedlings that came up. I just ripped them up, threw them onto the ground again and just to kind of keep building up the compost. I've got one going at the moment. I'm going to be really interested to see if it actually gets fertilized. But the lavender bush, which is just because it's, you know, it's, um, what do you call it? Adapted to being here. It is just turned huge. It's like, Enormous, gorgeous feral lavender bush that you have to trim when the old heads go off, and it feeds bees for about six or eight months of the year. So that's what I've been observing. I still haven't seen an increase in bees around the place, but what I have seen, and which is really distressing, there's a lot of real ignorance among city people about the soil that we have access to and what we could be doing with it if we weren't so stupid and ignorant. And lazy. Well, Kath, because sort of like you said, we know that you know lots and lots about horticulture from practical experience. Let's talk about what are some of these tips that you can share with urban people about gardening? Specifically composting. Look, you know, okay, so I'm a real, you know, basic kind of composter. But, you know, those it, it's such wastage to throw vegetable scraps, fruit scraps. Now, you can't put anything in the garden that a rat might really enjoy eating, as in bread or meat, um, eggs, cheese, any of that stuff that ends up in your rubbish. Do Don't you put that in your garden. But, you know, any fruit or veggie scraps, and actually sometimes rats will eat that in, as well, but, you know, I'm trying not to really just, you know, fatten them all up. But um, that would be my biggest tip is, we need to start weeding because, oh, my God, it's awful. I go around Melbourne and I see all the weeds that people are just letting slackly slump around in their gardens or on nature strips. It drives me nuts. So what I would start with is let's start pulling up those weeds and starting to make compost and feeding the soil. So that's the first place to start, I think. You know, you've got to clear a little space. It only needs to be, you know, less than a metre square. Like, we're not talking a great big space. And start composting. Um, scraps on, then hay on. Now, um, I get hay from anywhere I can. You know, um, quite often it's from a well-known, but I won't give the name, hardware store. That's not very far away. They always have sort of, you know, hay mulch, sugar cane mulch, um, tea straw mulch do you have available. Chi- do you have chickens? No, but I wish I did. I, my place, to be honest, it's a little bit too small for chickens. Okay. I mean, it is literally just kind of two tiny strips of yard. 
And you'd be amazed sort of being able to do with just that amount. I would love to have a chicken, at least one. But I think two could, my dog, would probably hassle the chicken. And yeah. I just think it's too small. I don't think it's enough. But so what happened over the time, what I also decided to do was to rescue plants. This is another tip. Now, I don't know about all suburbs across Melbourne, but what happens in Carlton, as I have gone around the last five and a half years that I've lived here, is that I found these really weird things sitting in pots dying. And even one thing just chuck out of someone's garden, it's like roots attached dying, which turned into decorative ginger. And the other plants have turned into some of mine succulents. And what else have I planted from scraps? There's a few things. Oh, you know, geraniums, which eat my compost. So I have this pile of feral geraniums that I grabbed from, you know, an old pot sitting, dying somewhere on the street. And I just sort of chuck that in. And because they're so hardy, that I chuck a lot of compost behind the geranium, which is now nearly as big as me, and it sort of sorts through the, the mulch. It sort of sorts through the raw compost. So you can kind of dig out from behind there and then scatter that soil around. So then it sort of tips on something about that kind of closed system. And look, um, another thing that really is going to attract bees is some water. Yeah. You know, I just die when I go to Fitzroy Pool and there's this huge salty because you know, there's semi salt pool there, the outdoor pool, and there's always bees drowning it because there is no other fresh water. So, you know, if you do nothing else, please, God, grab a, a plate or a bowl. I've got like a shallow bucket, and I have water in it and a path in and a path out with a piece of wood so that any insects and, you know, lizards and stuff can also get out as well as get in. And I think that's really important, I, you know, and. Everyone has been saying this for years. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said. But as I look around me in these sort of, you know, suburban and urban clusters, bearing in mind the fires are in the country areas and the animals are going to be fleeing to the cities. And as I look around, I just sort of think, why aren't people saving wildlife? Why aren't we saving the bees? You know what? If You know, everyone knows this now. If the bees die... So do we, five years later. Hey, how much fun is that? Well, Kath, this is all very, very true, but we're going to play some community announcements and continue this conversation about horticulture with Kath Duncan in around 60 seconds. The Boldness would like to thank Leisure Options for their support of this program. Leisure Options creates barrier-free holidays and travel that liberate people with disabilities. To find out more, check out leisureoptions.com.au or find them on Facebook. listening to summer programming on 3CR. To find out more about our summer specials, go to 3cr.org.au. Welcome back to the Boldness Disability Current Affairs on 3CR. I've got Gazem co-hosting with, with me tonight. My name is Rafael Caleb. And we're currently talking with Kath Duncan about horticulture. Are you there, Kath? Yeah. Well, I've got some very interesting news, and I know you're actually going to love... I'm certain you will love this news. Do you know what 2021 is the international year of? No, I don't. Creative Economy for Sustainable Development. How does that sound to you? 
Well, about bloody time. That's how it sounds to me. <laughs> now, do you reckon that you could come up with some project to come up with some be love? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just uh, well, coming towards the end of last year. I started to get kind of bored with what my regular career prospects are. You know, I'm just a, kind of a bit over everything, and I was sort of, you know, just seeking out other ways. And some people were saying, you know, why don't you do this urban permaculture thing? Because they're sort of in, I don't know so much in Melbourne, because I just sort of, I, it's, I haven't really researched it yet, but certainly um, a friend talked about this. He's uh, working in Sydney with one of the inner city councils there in urban permaculture and encouraging people to think of their gardens and nature strips and stuff, not just that bothersome thing that someone's expected to mow or they never even see it, but it being real opportunities to keep us all alive. And I, look, that may sound extreme, but that's as urgent as I think it is. And maybe because I've been breathing terrible Melbourne air for the last two days and arguing with climate change deniers and all the rest of it, that I feel this extra edge. But I actually think we have to do this. It's not just whether we want to or whether it might be nice to have flowers, but I actually think we have to do this. Now, Cass, from a disability perspective, how beneficial is gardening to people with a disability? Well, you know, I, I think it can be a bit tricky, to be honest. I mean, one of the reasons, if you saw the size of my garden, you'd be like, okay, Cass, it's taken five and a half years to do that. But um, because I'm, I have to work quite slowly myself having a physical disability and also this weird immune system problem, which means I can't be out in the sun for very long and my eyes are very light sensitive. So I'm carrying all that, you know, with these physical impairments. So it's actually taken me quite a while. But what I've worked out, because um, last year I started to get really freaked out about the bees, like, you know, really freaked out. And I also had a good job. And so I went uh, to talk to a couple of uh, gardening places, uh, stores, about plants that would give me luxuriant um, flowers, like bee-feeding flowers, but which were also native because I didn't want to chuck in any more bloody plane trees and nonsense. I wanted to have stuff that actually kind of belonged here. And from down here, I needed a bit of help. Look, I have to say the gardening stores were not as helpful or informed people about these sort of requests, which is Perhaps not so much of a comment on them, but more of a comment about the sort of people that wander in and the sort of questions that we ask. Because, you know, they seemed a little taken aback that I wanted natives that flowered and I had some space limitations, you know, because obviously you can plant gums and stuff like that. So what had happened? I saw your your pictures of the plants. They're very innovative and very awesome. So congratulations on that. I think you're on the right track. Yeah. And because I had been composting for a few years by then, I kept weeding. I, I was not looking forward to putting in this particularly big tree, which is a Victorian tree I'd never heard of. It's, and I'm not even sure I'm saying it right, but it seems to be called Vibemum or something like that. I might have that a bit wrong, but I'd never heard of it. But it, it was quite large, like in a pot, and I was sort of, I had it with the hose on it, and I'd been kind of working up to it for days, sort of thinking, oh boy, you know, because digging holes isn't what I'm good at. Um, but because I composted that area and kept putting compost on and moving it around and cardboard and more hay and all this, I sunk my little hand trowel into it and the trowel virtually went straight down into it as though it were chocolate cake. I couldn't believe it. And so not only had I made 
gardening easier for myself because I'd made soil better, but I could now put in bigger things because I could now, it was now a lot easier to do that. And it's just one of those benefits of working a, a closed circle. And um, partway through all that, a neighbour, I'm always keeping an eye out on what's going for free. I'm sorry, but, you know. That's well, Kath, I've actually got something here which is for free, which is very beneficial, and I can... It's a little bit of a big hint for you. There's something called yeah. the, something called the Trust and Garden, the Trusted Garden Program, Horticulture Therapy, the Disability Trust, and wow. it's a way which they might be open to maybe hit them up for maybe some funding that might actually um, interest you. There's also Ooh. okay, so we're going to put that link up as part of the podcast. Oh, and, good one! I like that. And that's one way which we can actually, because it is 2020 is year of the living plant. 2021 is the year of just creative um, economy with sustainable living. It could be a good one for people to look at. There's another website, uh, Gardening, Gardens and Environment, Minor Disability Care. That might be good for people wow. to look at. Yeah. Um, there's a big thing from Accessible Garden Tips from www.ideas au about facts ABC Net we've got gardening know-how disabled gardener ideas how to create an enabled garden gardening it goes on there's quite a lot actually out there along with what types of tools are actually available as well oh that's fantastic because you know it's there's all these different I think methods for working a garden like a friend of mine who lives in Geelong built um, what do you call those built up gardens Raised beds. Uh, raised yeah, you know, like, you know, like raised beds and they're in proper wooden crate things and the bottom yeah. of them is empty so things can, you know, grow out of the crate and you know, down into the ground and stuff. She's done that. That's a bit more high tech. What I've done is like more complicated dogs. I've traded with brands. You know, like you trade with brands. I'll make you a meal if you come over and help me put up the lights. Cause like I'm a mad solar light queen as well. There's just I've got like seven strings of solar lights out there in a, in a yard that's scarcely bigger than a hanky. But it's sort of also part of just the magic of it for me. It's like the pretty colours and what happens at night. Do you sing to so your plants? in the time... Sorry? Do you sing to your plants? Oh, well, I sort of talk to them. Yeah. I go out there and I kind of tweak their little leaves. and Jesus, I like to kind of trim them. And, you know, I do. I sit and talk to them and I sit out there. Just their kind of green happy, growing. I see, I experience sort of a bit of a humming kind of energy from the Like plant. a bee, love? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I see them, the bees are there. Like my strawberry plant's a bit of a canary in the coal mine in that I thought, wow, well, if bees don't get fertilised, I may as well just, you know... I don't know, you know, walk away from everything. But they have been. So I know the bees are out there. And I guess that's sort of something I want to say to your listeners is we have to start taking this seriously and we can all contribute. Because, you know, like even a simple plant that you buy at some, you know, supermarket or whatever that's going to flower that you can keep alive in your garden or on a windowsill is helping keep everybody alive. Yeah. You know, we can't underestimate the power of green things 
to hopefully save us all. Well, I feel a bit, I, I do feel a bit doomsy at the moment because of the weather. Well, because look at it, it is, hasn't. Well, Kath, it is. Nick on. Yeah, well, it actually is Year of the Living Plant. Now, if somebody actually wants to get in contact <laughs> with you at all um, to discuss just a, the like um, Kath Duncan's expertise as a gardener, bit of insight, maybe do some guest speaking stuff. Is, is there a way which people can get in contact with you? Well, I mean, I'd suggest uh, getting in touch with me on Facebook, just looking up Kath Duncan and sending me a message because I check those messages from people you don't know thing reasonably often. Um, so that would be the best thing. My email address I have, but it's, I'm kind of, I'm closing my old work email at the moment yep. and my other email is a bit, it's just a bit personal. So I would really suggest looking me up on Facebook. Well, sounds good. Well, Kath, we're going to actually have to wrap it up here. Thank you very much for your time for talking about horticulture with the Boldness Disability Case Affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Thank Kath. Thank really you. Really appreciate Thank you. And, you and that was time. Kath Duncan with some Be Love. We'd like to say thank you very much to Gazem for coming in. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. We're going to be back on the 29th. A very big thank you to Andy, the techno wizard Brit. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. I mean, Andy is actually a qualified sound engineer too, which is fantastic. (laughs) It's sensational. Keep listening to Completed by Lovely. um, They're the next show up on 3CR. We've got a couple things to give a call out to. And one of them is an organisation called Writers uh, Victoria. They've got a newsletter that is coming out for January and February with lots of creative opportunities. On a bigger uh, scale, there is also the Thrive, which is um, grants, which are City of Port Phillip, and they open on January the 20th, I think it is, specifically for artists with a disability. Thank you very much. We're going to be back on the 29th of January. We're going to go out with a very apt song. It's called Only Breathing by the Bipolar Bears. Thank you very much. Thank we'll be you. back on the 29th. Thank you, Kath. Thank you, everyone. Struggles and the hurt. 
Bring you back to me.